Podcasts from the Cat. Today we're talking to a seasoned professional from the freight forwarding sector. As Managing Director of Neon Freight Limited, he has nine years' experience importing and exporting goods for businesses here in the UK and overseas. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome Ian Mallon. Ian, welcome to Business Brunch. Hello, uh, thanks very much for the welcome. Ian, share with us why you originally chose freight forwarding as a career choice and, and talk us through some of the positions you've held that have, that have had the greatest influence on your journey through the ranks. Right, well, thanks, Des. Um, well, it first began, I was uh, living up in Manchester uh, after completing my A-levels at Eccles College. There was a job advertised as an import trainee at a company in Trafford Park. And that sounded pretty interesting. Um, I didn't want to choose the um, the academic university route. So a week after my last A-level exam, I started as a, an import trainee, a freight forwarders in Trafford Park, and um, re- really have been in the industry ever since. And since I began there, I then worked uh, for this company for a few years, left, went to work for another few companies, and doing various roles from import, customs clearances, deliveries, and customer service, and got a very good uh, grounding in the in the shipping industry and um, yeah I wouldn't really look back and not, not really sure I know how to do anything else to be honest with you so you moved on was that into bigger companies looking for more experience in in different fields yeah yeah absolutely you know it's, it's a thing in our industry where we cross-pollinate and people do some people anyway do seem to work for a few different companies you, you need to really strike the balance of not working for too many but um just to get different experiences different um operating systems different working practices and different opportunities um i always wanted r- really more out of a career and i was always looking for opportunities to do that so that you know go, going from a an operations clerk and to then a, a supervisory level position at another company then it gave us a bit more um, opportunities and more interesting things to look at and do each day and does the sector seem to support that obviously some employers might not want to lose their staff after they spent all the money on training them it looks like the sector seems to thrive on people moving into different positions yeah well I I think there's certainly an element of of, um of people learning from different companies and and some companies particularly the large multinationals some of them get a little bit um as you say unhappy if people do leave them uh but equally everybody's moved around a little bit and i guess from my own perspective it's how i've learned a little bit more and how i've become a lot you know much more independent and um it's only done my career no harm and i do think that there just needs to be a little bit of a balance. Obviously, not every, not every, you know, year or six months, but certainly within one company, and then move on and and see where your career can take you. And it, it, it some of it works out, and some of it doesn't. But it, it's it's quite. Um, they used to say it's a little bit incestuous our industry, and there are even recruitment agencies that simply only deal in, in freight forwarding. It, it, it's that quite specialised, really. And which company would, well, don't, you don't need to name the company, but which job has had the greatest influence on, on the way you've progressed? Well, I, I, I would name the company if that's okay. It was, a, it was an American company called Expeditors, and I had a very good boss, and um, and he was, uh, was very encouraging and very much um, everybody was, 
you know empowered to make uh, business decisions and it was it was a play hard and uh, work hard environment and it was perfect for working out in your early 20s uh, when you were single or certainly without children it was you know long days but um, good opportunities and um, you know still some got some very good friends that still work at this company yeah um, certainly but, uh, yeah. I would agree that empowering employees has a huge effect on productivity there's no question about that after 16 years of working in the industry you decided uh, to make a really bold move and start your own business. So tell us what prompted you to make the decision and share with us some of the issues involved with starting a freight company. Well, one of the first considerations is to the, the confidence and knowing who, um, wh where your business might come from. And I was fortunate to, um, you know, have a little bit of money, not, not a lot of money at all, but I didn't really have large outgoings each month. So I didn't have to, um, you know, pay for three or four directors and company cars, etc. So it was very much done on a, on a, on a, on a string um, with a small office above a, um, a flat, above a, a shopping homes chapel, a, a little computer and a phone and just started it from there on. And one of the biggest problems to begin with was just looking after your cash flow and making sure that um that, that you weren't going to extend yourself and but equally you're still trying to make a profit so your customers still expect credit and one of the biggest considerations really at the time was who was going to lend me extend me credit so i had enough conversations enough contacts in the industry to get a few lines of credit start the conversations with them and just expand my business networking and get enough business on board to start me off. So you're not trying to take over the world on year one or year two. All you're trying to do is steady yourself and, and grow into that. And that was certainly one of the, the, the problems. And then the, the second consideration was the fact that it, it all comes down to you never have a day off and all the work generated. And you know when you do begin on your own, is is doing the account system, is doing the, the operation system and making sure you're always on call. And as long as you're happy with that, then you can make a go of it. Having been through that situation, I can empathise with what you're saying, that the most difficult part is getting that first customer because you've got no track record. So um, how difficult was, you, was it for you to begin with to get your first customer? Well, I, I had enough um, business contacts, if, if you will, that, that some people were willing to support me and give me a try. And it's it's obviously you've got to be respectful of the company that you've just left, as well. And there's there's certain elements there, contractual obligations. So there's very much you, you've got to be very very quiet and careful, and make sure that um, you know you don't step on anybody's toes or do anything untoward. But ultimately, it's the client's decision who to use. And so I was a little bit um, nervous at the beginning, very nervous of uh, previous companies that I'd worked and the client and the, the confidence. But really, I was much more paranoid then than I should have been. I don't know if you, you thought the same when you when people jump out into a business on their own, then you do feel like you're very, very lonely, but you don't realize the power and the, the confidence that you really should have because um, you're much more nimble, much more, and customers are very, very happy to give you a try. They, they see that you've set out in business on your own and they, they want to reward that. They're very happy with that because they know that they're going to get very good service because it really, really is so important to you. No, that's uh, that's interesting. Nevertheless, it, it is difficult and I, I understand where you're coming from. But clearly you, you got past that first step and what, once you've got one or two customers on board, it, it creates a rolling stone, doesn't it? 
Yes, yes. Certainly in our industry, it's it's very much about the spin-offs. We, we can do a particular shipment to one area of the world, for example, and then that agent in New York, for example, sends me some cargo back that we do a good job on. And it, every single time you reach out to a new supplier, a new, new shipper, it gives you an extra possible connection to make. Yeah. And if you make good with those connections and good with those little bits of business, then you get the spin-offs from that. We still have clients today uh, shipping with us regularly that, no word of a lie, I, I came to deal with in the first few weeks of my new business and I'd never dealt with them before. And it was an ad hoc conversation. Interesting. And, uh, they, they, these guys are really existing clients. They've been clients for you know eight years. They've been fantastic. Today we're talking to Ian Mallon, the Managing Director of Neon Freight. Ian, your, uh, your company helps businesses move products from the energy, medical, leisure and chemical industries all around the world using a variety of different routes and methods. So uh, talk us through these services and give us some uh, anonymous instances where your expertise has helped your client through a difficult situation. Well, the, the, the most recent example of the products that we move um, would definitely have been last year's um, the, the, the PPE surge and the, the hand sanitizer. For, so for many clients, we'll be dealing with the masks at Heathrow Airport and the, the, the cargo would arrive, the, the airlines were really delayed and the service was really bad and trying to get cargo out of there and to, to the urgent clients and the care homes, that was really difficult. Alongside uh, containers of hand sanitizer from China for people and being able to schedule in all these containers so that everything got delivered at the right time, which sounds quite easy, but um, sometimes it's not. You have to use the right kind of carrier, the right provider, the right the right haulier to do the deliveries. You have to have a good relationship. You have to pay them the right amount of money so that they do your job and they don't just drop you. Funnily enough, that the, the less money you pay for haulage, the more ill and sick your drivers become. Uh, it's, a direct, more phone calls <laughs> it's a direct um, relationship, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to, you, all the people in the chain have got to be um, contributing towards it. You've got to have good relationships with your customers, you've got to have the paperwork in order. It's, everything's got to be in order weeks in advance. On top of all this, then you start to have the vessels getting um, reduced capacity because of the current chow in China that we're, you know, probably talk a little bit more in, in a moment. But uh, And on top of all that, again, you had lots of people working from home, a new working environment. And meanwhile, you know, 10 o'clock at night, you've got deliveries going all over the country for, like I said, it's uh, in, in critical industries. And, and that was just this year. And prior to that, there was lots of oil and gas equipment, lots of out-of-gauge cargo and things you have to sit down and think about because all these shipments, they, they can be easy if it's just boxes of socks, for example, or they can be very heavy and you have to sit down and think, right, how are they going to load this? How are they going to load it into container? If we get this huge big piece of steel or oil and gas equipment into a container, how do they get it out again in Canada? And it's only through having all these conversations and, and being paranoid and you check in with your partners over in Canada. We work on a very tight communication structure where we ask questions and we get questions back, whether it's on WeChat, WhatsApp, you know, phone or, or, or email. And we, 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 we all respect each other. So, you know, I'm asking this question for a reason. I need to know within the next 20 minutes. And we do have very good partners overseas uh, for, to get the answers that we need. 
So, I mean, excellent communication because that's key and you, you obviously offer a wraparound service so that the customer they have to do is give you the product. So, despite continuous government intervention and uh, unprecedented amounts of financial support, the current circumstances have continued to wreak havoc on the business world. So, as we now emerge from lockdown, share with us how you've coped and whether you'll retain any of the changes you've implemented. Well, the, the, the biggest changes was certainly at the beginning, the, the working from home environment for some of our suppliers, some of ourselves. We, we did, um, I was in the office on my own. We had pe- other people working from home on kitchen tables and uh, some other, a couple of people on the furlough sk- side. Um, we looking at this new hybrid way of working a little bit more and trying to encourage people to take a little bit more time at home and enjoy the bit of peace and quiet that you might get on your kitchen table as opposed to in a busy office. I think that the Zoom meetings online are uh, do have a certain place as well to talk about business. And also it's very easy to connect with people all over the country or all over the world quite quickly. I do believe that the meeting face-to-face is, is absolutely paramount and I can't wait to get that going again but I do think that there'll be two meetings now there'll be a business meeting on Zoom in the morning to talk about your agenda and then when you kind of hopefully catch up with these people face to face then it'll be much more of a um, connection meeting much more of a trust building exercise a social event which is still really important for business because we only do business with people that we know and you don't really get to know people on Zoom. You only really get to know people over a coffee, over lunch, over a glass of wine in the evening, perhaps, or something like that. So the, the two things are really completely different. But I definitely think that, you know, the communication on the Zoom side has been fantastic. The other side I was going to mention um, from the, the government intervention and the, like the lockdown is two members of staff that were brought on within the past 12 months have both come to us from hospitality who've had an absolutely awful time. But because of their hospitality background and the customer service uh, training and, and emphasis that they've always had on that, they're actually making excellent freight forwarders. So it probably wouldn't just make a great freight forwarder, they'd just make a great any kind of job. But their confidence in the customer service side and their urge to please the client is really, really great for us. And um, yeah, so that that's worked out quite well for ourselves. Definitely. That's an interesting career change as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They, they used to take in uh, grief off customers, which is no different to the shipping and freight forwarding world. So before you took on a, an international customer, w- would you go out and meet them? Um, well, we would go overseas and have uh, the overseas network conferences. And, and the last one was uh, 2019 uh, in March. So it's been a, a real long time ago now. And instead, now they're doing these online Zoom conferences which really don't hit the spot there's no river cruise there's no pad thai or bottles of singer with um you know entertainment on in the evening so a lot of our european agents a lot of agents all over the world we, we do need to meet up quite regularly yeah but we're doing things on whatsapp and social media and, and we're still catching up with each other it's just not the same as meeting up yeah it, well it's important to maintain the connection isn't it even if you're not seeing them eyeball to eyeball Absolutely, definitely. You can, you know, you can clean much more information um, off with them face to face, and that's where you build the trust, and that's where you build the relationship yeah. that you then use to build the rest of your business. And it can take a long, long time, a real long time, and it, it cannot be forced either. It has to grow 
naturally if you've yeah. got something in common with these guys then fantastic and the yeah. business just comes automatically then today we're talking to the md of neon freight ian mallon ian in the middle of a pandemic you've also had to deal with the effects of the uk leaving the eu so talk us through some of the problems caused by brexit and uh, how you've helped your customers continue to move their goods in and out of the uk um thanks des well yeah, the, the the timing of the Brexit um, uh, non-transition transition was uh, you know ideal to g- give everybody. You know, we all had a few days at Christmas, then we we kind of thought there was going to be an absolute nightmare to come back to. And within two or three days of uh, the beginning of January, it wasn't so bad, and we were all watching other people and seeing what was going on there. And towards the middle to and the end of January and February, it was really quite tricky. We had lots of customers calling, asking for our assistance on customs clearances and our advice as to, to, to how to do something that we'd never had to do before. And we, you know, fortunately, this good network and good collection of, of friends and industry colleagues was good because we could call each other up and lay out some problems that we've been having and making sure that we're definitely not alone. Prior to um, the end of uh, the transition period, of the non-transition period, we here we set up a, a, a customs chief badge. Now everything that goes through customs has to go through their their, their handling system. It's called uh, the, the Customs Handling Import and Export Freight or Chief for short. And it's a computer uh, system that's been designed quite a long time ago. But you know it, it, it's a hard-working system, and we we purchased a badge so it enabled us to do customs clearances for imports from the EU into the UK so that uh, your clients' goods aren't getting stopped and clients here, customers here, are uh, re- you know, regulatory, you know, m- making sure that, that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. This introduced us to a few extra clients locally and we were conscious not to over uh, oversell our services and we're doing customs clearances here for existing clients and a few local ones. Like we're, we're members of the Cheshire Chambers of Commerce, South Cheshire Crew, and East Cheshire Congleton, we were basically really saving our capacity for people like that. So that if we had a phone call from somebody saying, right, we've got a shipment, it's in Dover, we're going to be stuck, and we could help them out. We, we, we weren't really, I wasn't really interested or able to have the capacity to take on clearances for hundreds and hundreds of, of shipments per month. It would um, it would definitely cause, a, cause me a massive problem, though. So I just wanted to take it step by step with the Brexit situation. And it's still really uh, early days with it all and we've got lots more twists and turns to come with the regulation over the next few months and certainly years to come certainly certainly one to watch anyway um in in all businesses require some form of sales department to to look after existing customers and manage company growth so share with us the systems you have in place to reach out to new customers Oh, well, thanks, Des. The, the Recently, I mentioned uh, we're members of Chambers of Commerce in Cheshire. And alongside that, we're members of the FSB, which is the Federation of Small Business. Also, I joined the Institute of Directors last year as well. And, and all these kind of groups have a good um, networking capability. A lot of it has been online, as you know, on, on, on Zoom or, or Teams recently. And we do a lot of social networking as well, whether it's we have an active Twitter uh, page we I do a little bit on LinkedIn, and because I think we're eight years in now, we're not really in the early growth phase where every single job and shipment and client is a hard-earned, uh, um, you know, sourced 
telephone, you know, cold call, for example. So a lot of the cargo and a lot of the shipments that we're getting now is kind of spin-offs from dealing with existing agents overseas, dealing with people here, providing a good service and people happy to recommend us to other people, which is, of course, that is the best way into a, a, a client here. And then coming back to what you're talking about, the company, we empower the staff so that very much anybody that works here that's able to get a lead in or potentially generate even more of a business is, is really rewarded and thanked for that. It's, it's something that everybody shares in here. I thoroughly agree with that system. Um, a little bribery goes a long way. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think all your staff, if you empower them to, to sell even if it's just a, a casual meeting with somebody, you know, and you you exchange business cards or something. I, I think it's a terrific way of, of generating leads. Um, Definitely. I, it was one of the things I, I cannot wait until we can go out a bit more now and, and meet uh, new clients and existing clients, even just to drop off some cakes. So last year was... Um, we I do you know you, you kind of forget what you've done in the past twelve months. When when lockdown hit, we couldn't have a coffee with people. And normally, if you go and see people to have a coffee, customers and, and suppliers, you tend to take a little pack of biscuits and you sit down and have a coffee. But we couldn't do that, so we we contacted a, a really great provider of, of food in the in Cheshire, you know, called the Cheshire Farm. We sent out lots of brownies to people. So I think we had like 50 packets of chocolate brownies made by a, um, you know, the, the, the farm food company. Yeah. Cheshire Farm, rather. And they got posted out to all of our clients with um, a postcard on it saying, yeah, I'll have this with you a cup of coffee this morning. And lots of people thought that was really nice. And, and fortunately, we kept enough samples back for the office here to take <laughs> home. And it was absolutely brilliant. And that was quite good. And, you, you know, you're thinking you can't go and see people. You can't get in your car. What's the least thing you can do? You can send them a cake in the post. That went down a storm, really. And, and, and these little things, I think last year was particularly strange because certain things, nothing was really taken for granted. So therefore, if we did that, it's very easy to disregard and say, oh, so, as you say, it's only a bit of a bribe, a bit of a gimmick. But certain things like this really, really went down an absolute storm with people. It was it, it only you know, really, really appreciated. Well, communication is the key, isn't it, one way or another? And if, you, if you're trying to just keep in touch with people, I think it's a great way of saying we can't Absolutely. meet, but here, don't forget to think of us when you're having your coffee this morning. Yeah, do you know what? If nothing else, it's just a case of here you go. Hope your morning is a little bit better than it was yesterday morning. And, and anything like that, people you certainly jumped on, didn't they? And said, no, thank you very much. He, it was any any kind of positivity last year was really taken on and, and appreciated by anyone. Today's guest is Ian Mallon, the MD of Neon Freight. Ian, all of the client comments on your website are a testament to a company who, who clearly empathise with their customers and take customer service very seriously. So share with us how you ensure that your team continue to exceed customer expectations. Well, this is an interesting one. I heard um, a comment the other day on social media, and you know, what one of the comments was: if you are still using the the excuse that your phone lines are busy because of COVID, twelve months in, you really don't care that much about the phone call. You know, there's really no excuse for that anymore. And all our phones are answered here. Everybody has their own direct lines. We have a few mobiles going in the office. We have emails. We don't have any group email addresses here. You can get through to the people straight away. 
hopefully. I mean, you know, we, there's occasionally we, we drop the ball on things, but we like to be very honest and accept that and apologize straight away. You know, we, we try with the the emphasis that all the shipments are important, whether it's a, a piece of equipment worth half a million pounds to, to the Middle East or whether it's 10 cartons of, of hats or socks going to a company up the road. And we've just got good relationships with customers and we're honest with people as well. If there's things that we we cannot do, then we'll, we'll let them know and we'll let them know why. And if there's things that just need a bit more time, well, then again, we'll communicate that back as well. But the customer expectations side is, is, I think anyway, it's down to the fact that we deal with people that we like and they like us and we we get along well with them. So we never really asked anything out of our scope or untoward. So we're always asked to do something that is exactly our bag and what we're here to be, you know, what we're here to do for a a living. So everything is still managed and and able to fulfill. I do think that we we don't, this kind of exceeding expectations, I, I think it's, it's fantastic. It's great, but I think also we're comfortable with the services that we offer, and I think that we we, we concentrate on that and don't try and make it more complicated than it needs to be. No, I I can I understand that. I think managing expectations is a big thing, though, and that and for that you rely on good communication, and clearly that's where your business begins and ends if you've got yeah. that kind of relationship with every customer. Yeah, absolutely, and and if if, if some customers were perhaps not the best fit because what they wanted um, we, we couldn't really provide then we've been honest and told them that and said look for, for your price point and your service that you require then it's very hard for us to to do this for you it's not personal it's just business and, and, and I think most people respect that and the same with us with suppliers as well if we've fallen out with any suppliers then we'll tell them why and, and people might not like it but ultimately they say actually do you know what you're absolutely right it, it's, it's not what's um, you know, if, if, the, if the customer doesn't want to use us, then it's absolutely fine. It, it, there's no problem at all. It, it, there are many, many other freight forwarders out there, and I'm sure there's a fit for, for every client here. The people that want to use us, they are happy to use us, and I've got confidence that if they need um, something complicated doing, then they'll give us a call, and we, yeah. we can help them out. I think you're right. Uh, to build on customer relations, that's your most important aspect of customer service. Ian, Neon Freight has won an International Trade Award from East Cheshire Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So tell us about the award and um, and why it's so important to you and the team. Um, thanks. Well, I joined uh, East Cheshire Chamber of Commerce, which is based in Congleton, not that long after I set the company up, only probably six months, 12 months. And I started that as, as one man on a computer, and it was great to see the chamber grow and see myself, the, the company grow within the Chamber of Commerce and the connections and the, uh, the business tips and the, the networking and the, the camaraderie of that. And it was, I was super proud to be able to enter the, um, the Chamber of Commerce Awards and then win the trade award, because normally the trade award would be, it used to be like an export award, but then that used to cut out people who were perhaps importing or perhaps offering a service overseas. And so they, they expanded it to trade award. And I think we won it really because we offer so much of a diverse um, set of services. So we, we, we don't just put a pallet on a boat and send it to Hong Kong. We'll make sure it's, it, it's dealt with properly. The paperwork is correct. We'll give people advice prior to, to that. And, before that first pallet's collected, there's probably months of conversations that go ahead just so that they know that it's it's the right decision for them to make. 
we deal with so many different types of importers and exporters that it's always very good to kind of get some ideas onto the ground first before anyone takes a stab at this, whether you're dealing with America and you're trying to have the words with them to say, well, you're aware of the, the geography of America and how, how certain states work, how certain areas of America work and the time zone differences and the costs that are, implement, that are involved. And you talk about all this before people even move any cargo. And I, I really think that, you know, we won the award of the, 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 the International Trade Award because we just really care about trade. You know, we've got the jobs and the figures to back that up and, and the, the, the financial rewards as such, but it's not just about... I see that as like a result of it. That really, everything that goes into it is the fact that we really care and we're interested in what's going to happen. But we don't just book cargo and wave it goodbye. It, it has to be dealt with properly. It has to be thought about first. It's a hobby and it, an obsession, really. And I guess it's probably one of the things where on my phone there's this two airline apps and there's a shipping app so this thing the other week on the, the Suez Canal we, me and my friends in the, in the industry we all knew about this pretty much within a few hours everything that happens in the aircraft industry and in the airline or the air freight industry we see what's going to happen first off and there's planes taken off from Manchester airport on a normal time and we just kind of have a good idea of what's going where and when and it's on that that we piggyback onto our services and I think it's being a bit of a geek and being a bit obsessed and interested about the industry really shows. So when people say, why can't you air freight, you know, four pallets from, I don't know, Italy to Aberdeen on, on, on an aircraft, then we know straight away why you can't do that. So it's, it's all those little things that collectively make your service outstanding. And I can, I can see that. Actually, we'll go about outstanding, but we certainly, you know, the, the, this shipping industry is certainly one of those. You could be doing it for 30 years and you can come to work on a Wednesday and still think, oh, my God, I know absolutely nothing about this industry. And I don't really know. There must be some industries like that, but certainly freight forwarding every single day is a school day. You can possibly not know everything about it. And, and I wouldn't want yeah, to. I think, I think you're quite right to take that attitude anyway. No, nobody's ever going to know it all. So you're quite right to, to look at each day as a learning day. So how did it impact on the staff then? They must have been, uh, they must have been very pleased for their reward, yeah. like a reward for them, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very pleased. And I think they see the, um, the enthusiasm that um, comes from us all, really. And it's just only the start. And it's just a case of right trying to build on that and say, look, we, we don't just come to work and, you know, go home at the end of the day. We come to work to do a smashing job. And, and hopefully that is seen through the customers. I think it's seen through the customers. It's seen through the staff here as well and all our suppliers and providers. They want to work with us because uh, we, we respect their work and we and um, yeah it, it, it's it, it's something to build on I certainly always wanted to work for a company that was positive and yeah. uh, without politics and everybody's just there for the same goal Ian it's been hugely interesting um, everybody here at the cat would congratulate you I'm sure for, for winning that award Thank and thank you for giving up your time and, and coming on the on the show today to give us an insight into the comings and goings of freight in and out of the UK. So before we finish, could you tell our listeners where they can find more information about Neon Freight? Uh, well, we have a quite an active Twitter uh, page, uh, Twitter handle. We're on LinkedIn and, you know, we, we post a little bit on there. Uh, the website is obviously the easiest way to find us. 
uh, neonfreight.co.uk. We're on Google, and it's pretty much got everything about the company there. And really, the best thing is just to pick up the phone. 01477 668003. If anybody has any questions about freight forwarding or shipping, then I'd be delighted to help and assist. Ian, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Thanks very much, Des. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.